The face of Latina professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Martinez, CEO of HR Design for You. Stephanie, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So originally from the south side of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Who's um, Hispanic or Latino in your, in your family? Yeah, so my dad is El Salvadorian in German, and um, my grandpa, you know, came from El Salvador, migrated to Mexico, then California, and then finally came to Illinois where he met my grandma. Wow. Who's German. And then on my mom's side, the Polish, German, and Czech, so European, Mexican, or El Salvadorian. So a little bit of everything going in there. And the one thing you, you mentioned was that you get confused oftentimes for being uh, Puerto Rican or even Brazilian, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what I am. <laughs> right. I mean, you have such a kind of, um, you know, ethically, ethically diverse uh, look about you. Yeah. When I was living in Mexico, I was an English teacher. And, no way. Uh, yeah. So I did that for like seven months. And my students all knew I wasn't Mexican. They're like, where are you from? <laughs> and now they knew why, though, just because of the way that you looked or mm-hmm. I mean, just hearing you speak. Yeah, they were like, are you German? I, I just uh, I was surprised that they even picked out those types of nationalities for me. Yeah, no, I honestly, I wouldn't. Like, I, I confused you right away. <laughs> I asked you, like, wait, are you Mexican? Like, no. I mean, Martinez is just, it's such a common Mexican name that, yes. you know. Uh, but tell me about what that was like growing up, because I, I know that you said you didn't learn Spanish um, as a kid, right? No, we spoke English in the household, and even my grandpa didn't speak Spanish. Uh, you know, so it was all English all the time. Yeah. And I grew up in Beverly, so very predominant Irish neighborhood, and it was different. You know, I was maybe one of three minorities in school. Oh, no way. Yeah, so it was me and then, you know, two other kids, and that was it. You know, so you really stuck, stood out, and, you know, a lot of the kids kind of felt superior, that they were, you know, of this white culture, and I was not. So really didn't have a whole lot of friends. It was very difficult kind of growing up. It was like me and my mom and then a couple of friends that wow. were minorities. And uh, but that was okay, you know. I had activities and other things that she got me involved in. So thank God for my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even if you think about it, like here you have my parents at that time growing up in a multiracial family. This just wasn't normal. For you know, sure. my mom's Polish, German, and Czech, and my dad is El Salvadorian and German, and they're getting married. I mean, some people wouldn't even come to their wedding. Get out of here. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's unfortunate that you hear about it and, you know, I don't know, it's just when it, when you talk to someone that's experiencing like that, you think, my God, this seems like something you'd read about, but not necessarily that, you know, you'd have to experience, but it's all far too common, right? That mm-hmm. it's just something that, that, that as society, we've come to understand that existed and I'm sure to some level still does. So how did you, I guess, kind of, how did that shape you uh, looking back, right, in terms of your experience being Latina, but also just just a person trying to trying to make it. I think it it just made me work that much harder. You know, I just I wanted to make sure that I was always doing my best work, so that sh- showed you know who I was, what I was capable of. It wasn't about how I looked. 
It was more about what I could do. And so I just immersed myself in school. I was one of those nerds who just <laughs> loved going to school, loved sitting at the front of the class, loved learning. Um, I was just wanting to be a straight-A student, do my best, and continue to go through school and and really make my parents proud more than anything. And then, you know, I, when I became a parent, it was really important for me to show my daughter what that was what was important in working hard, having that work ethic, you know, getting my degree, you know, getting all of those things in place to show her that this is the life that you may want to lead going forward. In addition to that, you know, thinking about the Latina in me, I think about other women who go through the the struggles that I went through and being a single parent and raising a daughter and, you know, trying to go back to school and, you know, get a job and all of these different things. And I think about the mentors that I didn't have when I was very young and trying to educate me and get me in front of the right people and, and all of those things. So I want to be there for them, to give them those resources so that they don't have to struggle as hard as I did. That's amazing. I love hearing that. And, you know, how, how, I guess, what was the impact? Because one of the things is you have uh, a brother and a sister, right? Mm-hmm. And now you mentioned that your sister had a little bit different experience because she looks a little bit different, right? Yeah. I guess seeing that side of it, you know, do you feel like it, it developed, you know, something, obviously empathy because you're going through that, but then, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me backtrack. So, you know, you developed the sense of empathy because you're experiencing it, but to see kind of, did you see something different? Like was her experience so different that maybe made you feel a certain way? She definitely had more friends uh, than I did because uh, she, you know, she she passed. She she. <laughs> <laughs> you say that? Yeah. She looked more. People always said she looked like white or Italian, mm. and so she ended up having more friends. She had more parties to go to. She just had a different life than I I did. Um, I didn't really start to kind of come out of my shell until I went to Queen of Peace High School and. Mm. Obviously, that's no longer around anymore. It's on the, you know, in Burbank. But I specifically picked that school because it was diverse. And I wanted to go to a school that had more people that looked like me. Interesting. And I also wanted to go to a school that just had girls. Because I didn't want to have to compete with boys. I didn't want to have that. I'm a pretty, I was a pretty shy child. Um, I didn't like being around a lot of people. I didn't like speaking up. I, you know, I just had a hard time just talking in front of others and making friends. So this was a great way for me to just not have the pressures of being around boys and just, you know, trying to be myself and trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. And um, I love that because I didn't have any of those pressures. And my sister chose to go to Mother Macaulay, which was predominantly white. And obviously, a much better school than Queen of Peace, just much more opportunities. They had better coaches, you know, for sports. Uh, but I just did not want to be in that type of environment where mm-hmm. nobody really looks like me. Interesting. No, I mean, to see you now, you look so confident. I mean, you're outgoing, um, you know, you're getting things done. How did you gravitate towards HR and develop a passion for what you do now professionally? So it was really my professor in college who got me turned on to it. it. Really wasn't even a focus of mine. My original goal was to be a photojournalist. Oh no way! <laughs> That's really different. 
because I love taking pictures. You know, being a shy person, I could take pictures. I could be behind the camera. I didn't have to be in front of people. Um, just kind of behind the scenes, and I could tell a story with pictures. So that's really where I wanted to be. I wanted to go to Marquette. You know, that was just kind of my fantasy. Interesting. And then I, um, my life changed, and I had my daughter, and I needed to go to school locally. So you were young uh, when you had your daughter. Yeah. So not, was, not planned, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was 21, and, okay. uh, you know, so I hadn't finished school at that point in time, so I decided to go to St. Xavier College because it was, or St. Xavier University, because it was right near my house. Mm. I could go to night school. I could work during the day. I was working as a bank teller. I love that nothing stopped you, though. <laughs> like, it was never enough. You're like, no, this is, I have to find a way to make it work, but it's going to work. But that was my mom. That was really my mom. Well, she, still, I mean, you did it no matter what. You could have you could have fought it. You could have quit, right? She removed the barriers, though, because I was just like, I'm just going to be a bank teller, and that's going to be the rest of my life. And wow. she's like, no, you're not. You know, I will, you know, pay for, I will help you pay for daycare. You, you're going to go to school at night. I'll pay for all your books. We'll get you on, you know, any public aid or scholarships and everything. So I had enough money for health care and stuff like that. So That's amazing. You're blessed. If my mom wasn't there, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am today. Well, let's thank mom. Thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but so now you're at St. Xavier and this professor, what, what, tell me about that. What, what turned you on to HR from, I mean, leaving photojournalism? Such a yeah. different <laughs> career path. So he got me into some of these classes where we were talking about like organizational change, consulting, lots of problem solving, figuring out what's going on with the organization and plugging and playing different solutions based on what was happening with their people, their structure, their performance management processes. And um, I loved it. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, that's so exciting because I love solving problems. I just I just find it fascinating. And organizations always have issues that need to be solved for and by making some strategic changes you can make a huge impact on that organization's health performance their people I mean it's just like a trickle-down effect of what could potentially happen for that organization and to me being able to serve in that fashion is what I wanted to do so he's like you can either go the HR consulting route or you can be internal HR or you could be someone who just analyzes data. And I was like, I really want to be an HR consultant, but I can't travel because my daughter's too young and I'm you know, by myself. So I'm going to be internal HR. So that's where I started. Gotcha. No, and it almost seems to me that as I'm hearing you that you have a talent for problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of like a side question is, do you like puzzles? I do. Okay. But so, so yeah, so, you know, you have this, this talent for it, right? This knack for it. But then on the other end, you have a passion for people mm -hmm. and helping. And it's almost like you're using those talents to help people. So it may be less about the passion for, or maybe, you know, it feeds you on some level to, to be able to solve problems. But I guess to be able to help is what I'm hearing uh, is really your passion behind it. Helping people. I mean, because, you, you know, as I work with owners right now as, as a consultant, you know, you're, you're helping those owners solve the problems of their business and then they're starting to see wow like if I just make this change and that change look how that changes our business look how that changes that person 
I mean, I've done some coaching with some of their employees right now, and they're like, wow, that person is, like, totally different this week. I can't believe that, you know, just those few conversations you had with them was able to turn them around and get them on the right track. And I'm like, you just got to share those expectations with them, give them some advice, and then make it simple. You know, give them, like, three top things to do. So walk me through that. So, you know, let's just say as far as who you work with and and really some of the the problems that you're alleviating, you know, is it because companies don't have an HR department to begin with that they call you and then there's some sort of problem that they're trying to fix? Typically. And, you know, sometimes it's because they've been sued. Oh, interesting. (laughs) A lawsuit comes up. Oh, wow. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, there's a sexual harassment lawsuit. Can you come in and help us out? Usually at that point, I'm doing an HR audit trying to figure out what else is happening because if there's compliance issues, those are huge fines, audits. You know, Department of Labor can come in. And usually that's a big push to get me in the door to start fixing these things because that's those are things they don't know how to fix because mm. they don't have an HR leader in place. But, you know, there are some organizations, they're already developed. They already have those things in place. Now they're just looking for some strategic guidance on you know, what's our vision and mission, what's, you know, our strategic goals, you know, let's do a SWOT analysis, you know, every organization I'm working with, I'm assessing where they're at today, so that I can customize the solutions for them going forward, because everyone's at a different place. So I just want to meet my clients where they're at. Absolutely. Now, does that mean that sometimes you do work with HR um, departments, like where, I mean, they're just hiring you to consult, because they're looking for some new direction? Sometimes. Okay. Um, no, that's awesome. Now, take me through, I guess, what if, if I'm you know at a company and I'm experiencing something that I'm not at the point where I'm, I'm being sued yet, right? <laughs> but but when should they be? I, I would assume you'd want them to, to call you. As soon before, as possible. Yeah, <laughs> before they get some sort of, you know, letter in the mail or whatever. But yeah, so, so like what are some of those things to look for? If I'm a business owner, then I'd say hey, it's time to call Stephanie. Well, I mean, with everything that has gone on with sexual harassment training, I mean, that's huge in Illinois. You know, just sharing what people are supposed to be saying, not saying at work, how they're treating one another, how the relationships are structured between managers and employees, and um, making sure that managers are educated on their responsibilities as well as employees. I think there's a lot of lawsuits that have come out of that. In addition to that, because everyone's so sensitive and, you know, really understanding more about diversity and equity and inclusion, um, that's come to the forefront. Now people are very concerned about, you know, how are you treating me in the workplace? What kind of words are you using when you're describing me? Does that seem offensive? How are you standing? How are you posturing when you're with me? And those can end up in lawsuits as well for discrimination cases. And then, you know, a lot of the other pieces of the audit are more around like I-9s and verifying identity and eligibility to work. And we've had issues with um, Fair Labor Standards Act and classifying jobs correctly. Those can be huge fines. So, I mean, there's all kinds of things that I can just kind of like quickly figure out. Recruiting, another area that's huge just because people are not always doing the selection process in a fair way. And they're Hmm. just kind of picking people that they want to pick. Yeah. And, you know, offering salaries that, you know, create disparate impact in the organization. Like they're giving someone a really high salary, someone else who's doing the same job, very low salary, 
we definitely see that in the Latino um, culture, you know, that we're not getting paid fairly, especially women. Um, you know, so how do we normalize that? How do we get people paid fairly for what they're doing? Yeah, and talk to me about that because that was actually going to be one of my questions. My, my, well, my next question is as far as <clears throat> your awareness, <laughs> you know, being Latina, you're, you're obviously more hyper aware of certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's a fair thing to say, right? Yes, absolutely. So how does that, I guess, play into the bigger picture when it comes to HR? Because on, on some level, yes, you know, you're you're doing what you're doing and, and you're providing a service to to clients. But, you know, on, on the bigger scale, I feel like you're actually uh, changing culture in some on some regard. Because, you know, to hear you say that you have to have some of these conversations just seems so archaic to me. Like, how <laughs> how are you still thinking this is okay like you know how how can we be at 2021 and you still think that it's okay to talk to people this way like where where do you come from did you grow up under a rock kind of thing right (laughs) but it's true and then you have to have these conversations so you know obviously you're going to get some ignorance out there and whatever How, how do you hope or how are you trying to influence that you know mindset where um there's still a great disparity in how Latinos and Latinas are being, and women, you know, in general, but are being treated in the workforce and, you know, trying to make it a, a safer environment. Because that's also something that I think um, goes, you know, unspoken about. Yeah, you talk about lawsuits and people protecting, but what it must feel like not to feel safe at work. What it must feel like to feel less than, you know, when you go somewhere. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you hope to see a change, what, what's required and, and, you know, what how you're, you're making an impact in that area too. Because I know you are. Well, within organizations, it's all about education, and you have to educate the individual based on their self-interest, and I try to preface those conversations. That's such but- a great point. I mean, that's <laughs> such a great point, but I'm so, yes, yes. It's, it, it's the only way to do it. Each individual that I speak to cares about something different, and that's what I mean by self-interest. Yep. And so I have to you know, kind of figure out what that individual cares about in order to present the, the argument in a way that they're actually going to listen and identify that the it's an issue that's important to address right now. And so you can't just come in and say, hey, you know, we've got all these people that are, you know, Latino and they're underpaid and, and you know, we need to raise them by, you know, $5 or whatever or, you know, $1,000. You have to have some data behind it. So you're going to have to put your research in place and bring those numbers forward and tell the story in a way that's going to be compelling for them. So that's that's one way I do it within the organizations. Externally, you know, I've been very involved in Latinas in HR, and mm-hmm. we're bringing that forward every day. You know, with Priscilla Guaso, she is our our lead author and leader in all of that. And so we are educating other Latinas in how to negotiate their salaries. We're mentoring and coaching them one on one. We're providing a network where they can, you know, come together and bring their problems and talk about solutions and and guide them in that nature. And then we're trying to also help them get scholarships for their education and certifications. And hopefully there, there'll be even more things that, that come down the pike, but also giving them exposure. You know, how can we put them forward and, you know, show that they're subject matter experts in their own space and put them on podcasts similar mm-hmm. to, to what you're yeah. doing today so that they can share their brand and their voice with others because a lot of it, it's about being heard. That's amazing. And I love that you're doing that uh, for the community. And one of the things that I was most, uh, I guess, 
surprised by was how passionate people can be about HR. Mm-hmm. You know, just that that level of enthusiasm that they have, and and then to see even a subculture within that to have a book, you know, written and Latinas in HR, right? Mm-hmm. But I, you know, how new is that? How much I guess. Is that something I I just don't understand? Is that you know that HR world, um, but specifically when it comes to Latinas, it seems almost that it's a, it's a cultural fit, right? Because it's so dealing with people and people's needs. And I think you mentioned there was someone that you you had been talking about who was leaving a higher paying job to get into HR, but you know it's like hey, you're going to make less money, kind of thing. You really have to have a passion for this, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about that community and just I guess you know. Who, is it is it growing because of that? You know, is, is is there a cultural fit when it comes to Latinas in HR? Well, we it's funny that you asked that question because we we talked about that when we were there. You know, there were twenty one contributing authors for the Latinas oh, rising wow. up in HR. Um, well, Latinas book. rising up in HR. Yeah, we we scale the name down for the actual community, so gotcha. now it's just Latinas in HR. Oh, I see, I see. So. Um, yeah, the, I like the, both though. Yeah, I know they're both catchy. Yeah. They're both catchy and. The, the women talked, and, you know, we all come from different backgrounds. We're all different nationalities, and we all grew up in different types of home lives. And, you know, many of us said we tend to serve others, and we grew up that way because we were serving in our family. And, you know, some of us had had it where we were serving our brothers and our fathers, and that was kind of that type of culture within the house. And then, you know, you grow up and you have a relationship and then you're serving your boyfriend or your fiance or your husband and you're just always serving others, but you're not always thinking so much about yourself. And many of us have gotten caught in that trap and we all believe that we want to just continue to help others succeed. And that's where our God-given gift is. You know, we want to give others the life that they, they really long for and that's why we put so much effort and passion and love into helping others succeed. No, and I think you're doing a great job of it. And even talking to Priscilla and being on, on the call with you guys, um, you know, well, a couple of months ago now, I think, that, yeah, you just get a sense that, you know, you're pioneering something. And you guys are doing a tremendous job of that. But the, the care and the attention and the love that, that's going into it, you can, you can really feel it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what's next? Like, what, what is the hope for the community? What, you know, what do you hope it becomes uh, long term? Like, what's that vision um, that, that you can share? Yeah, so, I mean, throughout these four pillars that we have in, in Latinas and HR, you know, we have opportunities that we want to have where there's mentoring and coaching. And then, you know, we also want to create opportunities to give them the, the education that they need. So that's through the scholarships and um And I want to be clear, when you say they and scholarships, are you speaking specifically to students, um, like is it high school, college, you know, kind of the gamut? Yeah, so the the scholarship is actually going to be going to a senior and undergraduate, and then we also have ones for Latinas who are already in the HR field that are looking to get their certification. So it's just for Latinas. I didn't realize that there were certifications even within HR that you needed to get. So talk to me about that. What does that look like uh, if someone's interested? So there's a PHR certification, and that's offered through HRCI. And then there's a SHRM CP that's offered through the SHRM um, network. 
Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Society of Human Resource Management. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Um, and if and, and people listening, you know, who ideally should be reaching out to you beyond, I guess, the HR world or even the Latino world, but those listening, uh, who would you like to connect with? I mean, I'd love to connect with other business owners. Certainly, I, I love... I've been doing a lot of mentoring actually with women who are looking to start their own business. You know, so they've they've seen that here's this single parent who's out on her own. She worked in HR for 20 years. That's that's my career. And now I've started my own HR consulting business and been doing it for the past two and a half years. And they're like, if you can do it, then I can do it, you know? That's amazing. You know, so they want to know, like, what's the playbook for starting something like that? Because nobody teaches you how to do it and I just kind of figured it out and um, the Women's Business Development Center was wonderful in helping me get started with my business and then I talked to a, other Lat- Latino professionals who had started their own business and I got connected with them. Um, you know, so it was great to have my network to be able to kind of understand you know, what do I need to be prepared for in starting my own business. So I'd love to mentor those individuals. Obviously any Latinas that are coming up in HR I'd love to connect with them because there's so many different career paths that they can explore and many of them don't even know about it. Well, if you're listening and that sounds like you and you're interested, I would highly encourage you to reach out to Stephanie. Uh, but thank you, Stephanie, for being here, for sharing your story and, and for making yourself available to those that uh, are looking for that mentorship. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you.